Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I'm very excited to welcome each and every one of you to our new series entitled Let's Talk family. I want to welcome those at our McKinney campus, welcome those maybe watching online, we're thinking about you, and also our Hazlitt campus, anyone watching in a video venue here at Keller, would you put your hands together and welcome each and every person that's joining in with us. I want to jump right into our new series, Let's Talk Family, but before I do, I want to say as your pastor how grateful I am for you. Thank you. Over a few-week period, we asked you, leading up to last weekend, we asked you, would you please consider uh, not coming at the main service time so we can make room for guests in our community, and you did that. I believe about half of the people that attended Easter did it at times leading up to Easter Sunday, so thank you for serving others in that way, your investment, inviting friends. We had just such a fantastic set of services and time and worshiping the risen Jesus, and uh, it was just amazing. We had a new thing here at the Keller campus. We had a tent, and so thank you to all of you that were rocking the tent in the party tent, you know, where the wild Christians go to church on Easter, and so thank y'all for all of that. Uh, We had the most people at our McKinney campus that we've ever had. And our Hazlitt campus, I want to say to all of you that are sitting there right now in the cafetorium in Hazlitt, we had our first Easter in Hazlitt. The campus launched in September. There were 1,200 people at Easter in Hazlitt. That's amazing. Uh, what what God's doing, and um, I want to specifically say thank you to all of you that were volunteers. We ask you, maybe if you never have, just to jump in, and I don't, you might not think about this, but it, it takes hundreds of volunteers for every service to be able to serve people on Easter, and I just want to say how I had guests that I brought, and I'm so thankful to all of you with the way you greet people, the genuineness uh, we hear all the time. It's like, did you gather all the friendly people? You know, like, it's just amazing how you do that out of sincerity, and I just want us to never lose that because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I want to highlight Taylor. She uh, was going through our growth track. If you've not done that, I encourage you to do it, but uh, she went to 201. She had never served before. She came and served the first Easter service. She's like, this is amazing. I didn't know you could like just be friendly for Jesus, so she just stayed for all of them. You know, I don't... I don't know if that's good, but I think it's powerful. But anyway, she was here. The whole whole set of services, just amazing. But really, what is it all about? Uh, Your volunteering, your investment, the way you love people, here's what it's really all about. A few weeks leading up to Easter, I talked to you about there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 church folks eating potluck. Come on. Jesus celebrates in heaven for Easter weekend, 389 people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and that's what it's all about, and all weekend we're baptizing people at our Saturday night service. I got, 
I'm sorry. I got emotional because I saw dads leading their families into the baptismal take. And that is a game changer when you see parents and their children and the story that we saw it, it is, it's the heart of God. I, I know there's so many things we can get wrapped up in in our culture, but never ever forget, Jesus is still doing what Jesus has always been doing, seeking and saving that which is lost. And I'm gonna lose my voice before I preach, but uh, I heard about Debbie, who she came to one of the services where we had people in the tent and people in the commons and people in rooms and people watching a video in the rafters and wherever people were at. But uh, she was in the commons and one of our team members watched her that as I gave the invitation, she raised her hand. She's a cancer survivor. Um, later in life, I don't know, upper 70s maybe, and uh, she came just looking for hope and uh, she received Jesus Christ. She's gonna be baptized at our Keller campus at 12.30. It's about people like Debbie. It's about people like Debbie that Jesus is changing. So thank you for being who you are. I'm honored to be your pastor. Let's talk about family. The reason I do these series, I wanna give you a few reasons. Uh, probably 15 years I've been doing this after Easter because early on I realized by just the amount of people that download the content and engage with it, I realized a few things, and God has a lot to say about it. So it's not just some topic that we pulled out of the air just because people are hungry to listen to it. God is the author of it. God is the designer of family, and God has a lot to say about it. We just many times don't invite him into the discussion. There's a few reasons why we're doing this series. We care about it. And the fact of the matter is we need help with it. But we don't wanna look like we have a problem. So a lot of times we have a lot of things going on. We, we put on a good exterior. We look like it's okay, but everybody has pain in this area. There's, there's pain, that, there's no pain like kid pain and there's, there's pain in the family as a pain like no other pain and so we, we don't wanna look like, hey, hey, it's me, pastor, and so we need help and a lot of times we just don't get it. And every new season, you know, the thing about a series like this is you can talk about it every year and everybody still needs help, including me. We're all growing, we're all on a journey, so every new season, with family requires some new skills. You, you feel like you got it at some point, you know, kind of maybe. Maybe you get a little area where you get it, you know. It's like you go on your first date and then maybe you need a little help before you get married and then you get married and then you gotta learn how to be together and you know, you're, you got some arguments and fights and then you have the first baby and your attention turns to that first baby and you're like, oh no, what do I do? I gotta get some help. I'm responsible for this human being. Don't let me mess them up. And then I have some friends of mine, they just had a little baby and you know, they're like, man, we got it. I said, how's it going? Like, we got it. She slept through the night. <laughs> Praise God, she slept till like six or seven. I'm like, you think you got it? Wait till she starts teething. Come on, then you don't, you don't got it anymore. I know that's bad grammar, but good preaching. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like every season, then you get a little bit of a tweener, you get a teenager, you get a little bit older, maybe you're a grandparent, what do I do now? How do I relate to adult kids? I thought I had it. I thought once you get them out of the house, it's over. You know, I was like, praise the Lord. I realized they need you more when they leave than they did when they were at your house. 
You call me all the time. I'm busy. I got a job. Do your own thing. The problem is in communication and family and making family work, communication requires some principles and we use ways to communicate, but we primarily communicate through language and culture impacts language and communication and and, and different things and, and also language changes. So I was like talking to my kids and I realized I'm out of touch on some language. I, I realize things are changing. So what you used to say doesn't work today because things are changing. When I grew up, the word dope was, <laughs> was something you got arrested for. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like means cool. The word goat was an animal. <laughs> it now means the greatest of all time. Now, this is a new one for me. Karen. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Where, where do we get this stuff? Can't be calling people Karen, okay? Let me just tell you, all right? It's like, Karen is, uh, I don't know. We were just gonna skip past that one. We're not gonna go there, okay? Okay, boomer. What about, you know, you're like, what is that? I got kids in Oklahoma now, so, you know, but it's, it just means you're basically out of touch, all right? But if you don't know what to do and you're trying to keep up, just do what I do. I'm so thankful for the emojis because when I don't really know what to say, I just send my favorite emoji. Y'all wanna know what my favorite emoji is? There it is, right there. That's my favorite emoji. <laughs> And as a pastor and a dad, I get to use it a lot. And it basically means, what in the world of rational sanity, what were you thinking when you did that? So you can just use emojis now. But let me say this, language is changing, but God hasn't changed his language. He still has the same language. I, I wanna go right to Jesus. You can't get any stronger than Jesus. Jesus himself said in the book of Matthew, he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Notice this, with God, two individuals have the power supernaturally to become one. He said they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. And he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I know some of you may, in family, you've experienced separation. That's the enemy's desire to separate and divide families. I don't want you to feel condemnation today, but through this series is we're gonna talk about multiple topics. Maybe some of you are building for the first time where you wanna build on the right foundation. Some of you may be in the process of rebuilding and I wanna encourage you, don't rebuild with the same materials that you built the first time that were blown away. Start with the right foundation. Start with God's foundation. You may not know this. I love when the Bible, again, it, it'll just be repetitive in its truth. Jesus is leaning on Genesis. He's actually quoting Genesis. And then also, as you look later on in Scripture, in Ephesians, Paul's leaning on Jesus and Genesis where he says the exact same thing that we see here. So I would encourage us, I know there's all kinds of new words and new things and new desires and stuff 
to, to stay with what God has to say. And that's what we're gonna do in this series. We're gonna talk about family, but we're gonna talk about it with letting God talk to us. And I want you just to take a few moments with me for this first week for us to talk about something that no matter where you are in your journey, we all experience in these relationships that we care about so much. I wanna talk about what do you do when you have tension and conflict in the home? What do you do when you have tension with the teenager? What do you do when you have tension with the mother-in-law, the conflict moment, the, the, the birthday party that was supposed to be great, but it ends up in a conflict? What do you do when you're distant from your spouse because you've had conflicts? How do we manage these tension moments? And, and I wanna say up front, again, you can develop your communication skills, you can read the word of God, you can get better, you can even be a pastor and myself who helps people with marriage. Let me say this, conflict comes to all of us. It's, it's part of being human beings. So I'm gonna say, do you and Brandy ever have conflict? Yes, yes. It's generally her fault, but yes. <laughs> Come on. By the way, she'll be with me next week. She's gonna correct all of this next week. It's gonna be, I'm in trouble, but I got the mic this week. Of course, of course. We, we had to walk through a little bit over Easter, Easter week, you know, I got all these services, you know, 20 services, and my wife's gift is hospitality, and man, she's making potato salad, doing this, and Easter egg hunts, I mean, like the intergalactic Easter egg hunt of all Easter egg hunts. Uh, we don't even have kids that age, but it's everybody else's kids, and so they're at my house, they're taking change out of my change jar, put it in the kids' eggs. I'm like, look, that kid, kids don't need that, they need to earn their own money. Give them what we got, peeps. That thing's got like toxic material in it, just give it to them, you know what I'm saying? And it was the middle of the, the week, and I'm preaching, and I'm trying to stay in the zone, it's like running a marathon, and she said, we need to go into the room. I'm like, oh no, man, I got sat down on the bed. She's like, honey, all these people, you need to get in the Easter spirit. I'm like, I'm in the Easter spirit. I'm preaching for Jesus like 20 times. I'm trying to just finish, you know, and, and I just, she's like, no, you need to get in that. So here, a young man would argue, but I've been married a long time. I'm like, where are them Easter bunny ears? I'm in the spirit, baby. Come on. I mean, I'm doing this for Jesus, man. Come on, kids. You want some more money? Praise the Lord. Anyway. <laughs> of course, we have different personalities, different situations, different things going on, and at every season we have these issues that come up. How do we handle them though? First off, I wanna take you to the book of James. If you have a Bible, go to the book of James. We're gonna look at James three, but I wanna start in James four as I talk about conflicts. He says something here that I think really helps us. What causes fights? and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So James, I mean, James, the little brother of Jesus. Talk about challenging. How'd you like to be the little brother of Jesus? Talk about like family tension, right? And so he is, it's amazing, like when you read the book of James, he just goes right at it. He just hits you right straight in the face. He says, look, Here's the reason for most of the quarrels that you're dealing with. It's not the battle that's without, it's the battle that's within. 
You, you have the quarrel because of the desires that are happening inside of you. So for the remainder of our time together, I wanna say to all of you online, all of you at Hazlitt right there, I want us to think about this together. I want us to spend a few moments not thinking about the other person. Now I know that's natural to go there. It's like, pastor, you don't understand what they said. You don't understand what they did. You don't understand what they're doing. You don't understand. No, I do, I do. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And most of the time, I could save you some money, most of the time, what happens is you have to simply get the other person to hear what they're actually saying, and a lot of times it's because we don't feel like we're being heard. And, and I understand that, there's, there's other people involved if you have a quarrel, it always takes two to tango, and be careful of that with your friends. When someone comes to you and says, well, she's just, she's just, he's just, he's just, Proverbs says, everybody sounds like they're right till you listen to the other party. Be very careful offering advice to your friends to say, well, you should leave him. You may not even know the whole story. Be very careful. The battle, though, is within. The things raging on the inside of us. The enemy always wants to talk to you about somebody else. The Holy Spirit always wants to talk to you about you. So we only have the ability to steward our own hearts. And in the area of conflict, if we would steward our own hearts, we would begin to see a lot more of God's results. I wrote down a few things this week. I didn't get this out of a book, just years of working with and in my own life, I just wrote down a few things. You say, why do we have conflict? First of all, our expectations. I wrote down a few phrases that might help you identify it. What we have in our relationship isn't living up to the picture I had in my mind, so I feel consistently disappointed. When we put what the world vernacular, this is world language, this is not God's talk. You're not making me happy. I deserve to be happy, and it's your job to make me happy. That sets you up for a lot of disappointment. I mean, you can, you can have someone you adore, love, awesome. They can make for a great mate, but a terrible God. If you put them up on that place, you're gonna consistently, but we have just practical things with our expectations. I mean, I thought you would come home every afternoon, you know, and we would have dinner every day at six o'clock, and, and then we would have this, and this is the way it would be, and this is my expectations, and this is, we would have, you know, consistently this time of date night and that, and you would do this, and I would do that, and I have it all planned out in my mind, and expectations lead to conflict because we set them up as the standard and expect it all to be that way. Our backgrounds, our backgrounds influence it. Because in a conflict, you typically are going to respond to the conflict based on how you've seen conflict modeled in the atmosphere in which you've been around and sometimes your personality. Most of the people I'm talking to this weekend, we worship conflict actually by avoiding it at all costs. Most people wanna avoid it. Most people wanna sweep it under the rug and the real challenge with conflict is if you sweep it under the rug, it only grows. It has to be addressed and handled from a God perspective, but our backgrounds influence us. It's like you, you just sort of get used to a certain behavior and it's normalized. It's like noise level in a house. 
okay? My house, kids are moving out, and so the noise level's been going down, 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 down until we got a puppy, and now it's back up. But anyway, but, but it's like I went over to a friend of mine's house. He's got like four kids under five. It's loud. But of course, they live in it. So they were just, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You want something to do? It's normal. So when you hit a conflict moment, you typically respond from the background that's been normalized. Can I encourage you? You say, I wanna deal with some of these conflicts. You may have to go against the grain of your normal feelings and let the word of God change how you feel to respond in a different way. Our backgrounds, we don't wanna duplicate mistakes we went through growing up, but what if I don't have what it takes to build a healthy culture in our home? Our different priorities. We prioritize things differently, and so it feels like my spouse doesn't care about the things that are really important to me. How do I make them care? That was Brandy and I's deal, see? I'm trying to survive all these services, and I'm trying to kind of keep my eyes on the prize and just kind of keep my emotional energy because it's a big Super Bowl week, but she also, again, is showing value and showing love, and and she's like, look, I'm taking care of and helping with your family, and I'm doing these things, And, and what she was really saying to me, because I've been married to her for a while, is, Jeff, don't you care about what I'm doing as part of the team for Easter weekend? That's what she was saying. Now, I didn't hear it the first couple of times, and that's why I had to go to the room. (laughs) But once I sat on the bed, I heard it. Gotcha, where are the Easter bunnies? I'm in, I'm all all in, I'm all in. So it's the other person having a priority that is an offer of value that you're not respecting or honoring that helps in the relationships. Here's the fourth, our pain. You know, the reality is you can be rocking along pretty good. You're like, hey, we got everything kind of going okay, and then you have a tragedy. You have a death in the family. You have a job loss. You have some, some major transition that you go through. You start struggling with a child, and both of you begin to walk through the pain of that. It's, it's like we're having a hard enough time with the tension in our home, and then we got blindsided by this very painful situation. So what happens is you're like, you have different opinions on, you know, you should show more grace, or you should be more disciplined, or you should handle it this way, or you should start this. And, and we're, we're, we're both, or we even in the family are all trying to handle the painful situation from our own perspective, and it can create tension and conflict. The fifth is our fear of rejection. We, for the most part, don't in a godly way deal with the tension because our greatest fear is being rejected. Every human being has a desire to be accepted and loved and valued. So we, we know it's a risk to even go there. Every time I try to have a hard conversation, it doesn't go the way I hoped. It hurts to be misunderstood or accused. It takes so much energy I'm not sure it's worth it, and so we live that scenario while tension continues to grow. Conflict is waiting at our door. You say, what do we do? Well, I wanna take you to the book of James again, and I'll read to you James chapter three. I love, again, this section of scripture. In fact, Brandy and I, I heard a message on it. We received some counsel as we were early in our marriage, and 
I, I would like to offer this set of passages to you maybe to make as an anchor in your home and in your relationships. This set of passages can alter and change how you might handle your next conflict or the one that you're in. And so she and I, we began, we, we would refer to this and, and still do sometimes. It's like, this is so important. I want you to read it with me. Look at this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is truth applied in your life. Wisdom is when you take truth and you actually apply it, where the truth changes you. Those who know the truth are set free by the truth. I know we live in a world full of opinions, but I want you to know, truth is the only thing you can actually count on as being the seed that will bear good fruit. So if your conflict is centered around a debate regarding truth, if both parties begin to submit themselves to the truth of God, you already are starting on a greater footing to produce unity in your family and in your home. But wisdom is when you actually begin to take the truth and it's not just sit and listen to it and that was good, but you actually let it, it takes humility. Okay, Lord, that's not how I feel. How I feel is I wanna defend. How I feel is I want to hurt. How I feel is I wanna get revenge. How I feel is I wanna do that, but humility is worked into your heart only by your submission to the truth of God applied in your life. But look what it says, but if you harbor bitterness, if you harbor this bitter envy, what does that mean harbor? That means to put your boat in the harbor and tie yourself up to it. If you're so tied to your bitter envy, you're so tied to those relational things that are battling within you, it's very hard to resolve conflict. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When we let our backgrounds dictate how we have conflict and tension in the home, give the cold shoulder, manipulate, reject, hurt, we all handle it in different ways. When we lash out, when we get angry, when we avoid, Whatever we do, what the Bible's saying here, when we handle it according to natural means and not according to wisdom, we invite the enemy to have free reign in our home. Brandy and I took this as the fear of the Lord. Again, God loves us, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear not a tormenting fear, but a reverential fear for God's truth to say this, we've got enough battles to face and enough battles to fight than to allow the enemy to be at work in our house. And I wanna say something to all parents, by the way. Your children are gonna have a free will and you lay foundations, but ultimately they have to choose wisdom themselves. And it really helps once their brain stems connect at some point. You know what I'm saying? That's a free advice for if you're raising a son. It's not all connected yet. But I will say that the number one thing I would offer is unity between mom and dad ultimately bears the fruit. Can I just encourage you? Don't fight him or her fight the enemy together and solidify a greater level of unity among yourselves. 
Because when there's that spirit, it's true, it's true. I'm telling you, it's true. And I don't know when or how or exactly, and I'm not producing or or promoting that it's just one-to-one and all that. I'm just saying the battle's for unity among you. And so what we see here is for where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find disorder in every evil practice. But here's what we're to do. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's submissive full of mercy and good fruit. So if we promote selfish ambition, I'm out for myself and when the whole goal is to get to what I want and I don't submit to any authorities, well, don't be surprised when that posture begins to come back through the people around you. So we're submissive to the word of God. We're submissive to spiritual authorities. We're full of mercy and what does it say? There's good fruit, impartial and sincere and it says, Peacemakers, I love that the Bible is specific with words. Peacemakers, it doesn't say peacekeepers. Sometimes when we're trying to keep all the peace and get the telephone line going to call everybody, get everybody, work it all and keep the peace, we have no peace. We have to learn how to make peace by being peacemakers, by getting peace in our own souls and offering it to the situation. Who sow in peace, they reap a harvest of righteousness. I love to just sum it up to you while I wanna inspire you to grow in this, all of us. The quality of your life, your marriage and your family is dependent upon your ability to resolve conflict in your relationships. I think most of our culture would say the quality of your life is dependent on your income. The quality of your life is your purchasing power. The quality of life is the freedom that you have to do whatever it is you want to do. Well, let me encourage you. We have a whole culture who's lived for that scoreboard alone, and it's a tragic day when you realize you lit up a scoreboard, but you played the wrong game. Let me just say this. I know people who have hit all of those big things, not that it's wrong, but most of them would trade some of those trophies and some of those resources to have more peace in their relationships. Make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. The quality, I didn't say that just life lived, but the quality of life lived has a lot to do with managing conflict. I wanna help you in the last few minutes. I don't want you to leave here just inspired. How how do you do this? How How do you really, let's get down practical nuts and bolts Me and you, counseling session, what would I tell you? Let me give you just a few things. Number one, you gotta start thinking this way. It's very important. You gotta start thinking trust over suspicion. Sometimes conflict comes back to those expectations and those priorities. Brandy and I's little moment, because I know her, I've been married to her a long time, I could have assumed that she was saying that to me just to hurt me or she didn't value me. I could believe those things. And I have believed those things. And that only creates more conflict that lasts for a little bit longer and then you have to ultimately apologize and get over it. But I'm growing. I want you to know I'm growing. I still don't hit it. But I will tell you this, I know of myself, I have the ability to misperceive a situation. And I try to get a little more understanding because If you start with suspicion and you start with the other party's motives are wrong, you immediately have conflict. Start with trust over suspicion. I was talking 
to a, a, a lady on my team as I was just talking about the message this week, and I said, you know, I think trust is a big deal in, in dealing with conflict, that we trust each other. And she said, you know what, that changed my marriage. It changed my marriage. I, I came from a background, you gotta get it, you gotta make it, you gotta survive, and it changed my life the day my husband said to me, honey, I just want you to know, I would never on purpose intentionally be saying something to you to hurt you on purpose. She said, I began to just grow in this and it changed my marriage to start with trust over suspicion. Here's another practical, stop speaking for other family members. This is what we do, it's, we all, you always. You, you never, you, you, you never do X, Y, Z. When we use those definitive statements, it escalates conflict. And a lot of times when we have that rejection going on and we have hurt going on, we've all done it, it's like, man, I'm gonna hurt right there. And you say, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. Sorry, Mimo, you're probably watching right now. It makes it hard for me to preach on sex in our church when Mimo goes to my church. But anyway, that's, mom. that's what we call my wife's mom. But anyway, you're just like so-and-so. So when you speak for them, then you begin to escalate conflict. Stop speaking for them. Help others feel heard and valued. I wanna go back again. This is marriage counseling, family counseling 101 right here, okay? I had this happen not too long ago. Two parties, I think it was about the second or third session where we finally had a little bit of trust going. And this happens all the time where it's like, okay, I, I hear what she's saying, because remember, I'm not as emotionally involved in it. I hear what she's saying. She's saying, this hurts me, this is the things that I'm, I, I need from you, and this is this, and, and when you said this, this is how I felt, and, and I heard her. I heard everything she said. I'm like, now, did you hear what she said? He's like, huh? Uh-huh. You know, men are like cave, you know, men are just kind of, huh? They're not, sorry, ladies. We're not always up to speed on what you're saying. We, we need help. And I'm like, here's what she's saying. He's like, oh, wow. Well, she said it right there with you there. You know why we don't hear it a lot of times? Because it hurts our identity a little bit. It hurts that rejection thing because it's like hard to hear when someone's being honest about how you made them feel, may not even have meant what you were meaning to do, it's hard. That's why I like to say there's no relational Novocaine. This'll help your teams. This'll help with your teenager. Number one thing, learning how to say, this is hard. So let me, your grown kids, come on somebody, right here. I see God reconciling grown kids. I had a man give me a testimony last night. Look at this. Sit down, tell me again now, what I hear you saying is this, with sincerity. When this happened, is that how I made you feel? Well, I know that's dangerous. There's no relational Novocaine. This is like, we all hate going to the dentist, you know? You're gonna feel a little press. A press, are you kidding me? <laughs> but when they ask me at the dentist, do you want you know, IV sedation? Do you want the drugs? Do you want the gas? I'm, I want all of it. I hate the dentist. Come on, there's no pain like that. You hit a root, it's like, oh. Relationships are a lot like that. 
There's a loud drill bit until it hits the root and it's like. But you have to, if you wanna resolve conflict, you have to find your identity in Christ. We forgive them not on the basis of what they've done but on the basis of what Jesus has already done for us. We find our identity in who he says that we are and it gives us the ability, especially with kids, when they're struggling with all their own insecurities, sometimes what they're saying to you is not even what you've done, but it's just their own insecurity. And when their boat is rocking, we gotta have a stability in Christ to be able to say, tell me how you feel. And then just get numbed up, because it's gonna be painful. Sometimes it's painful. Help others feel valued. Here's a big one, real practical. Give at least one encouragement every day. You know what just can kind of create a soft landing for a lot of tension is just positive affirmation. Sending a text to your spouse. I want you to know I love you and I'm thankful for you. Honey, I, I missed that one. I should have said, but I was so absorbed in what I was doing. Honey, thank you for everything that you're doing. Honey, I love how you host people. Honey, I love, just a little something like that just softens. I had a friend of mine who's had challenges with his 15-year-old son, and he said, every time I talk to him, I tell him something affirming. He said, the other day I told my son, I said, out of all the 15-year-old boys in the whole world, I'd choose you. He said his son started crying. It softened their whole relationship because it's hard to stay in conflict with somebody who just comes to you with encouragement and affirmation. So I say this all the time with all your busyness, send that text, write that note, take that person you love to a private moment where there's no distractions, put down the screens, look them in the face and say, I just want you to know if you've ever wondered, I love you, I'm thankful for you, I'm proud of you. You know, you might decrease some tension with your mother-in-law. All she's trying to do a lot of times is love you the way she knows how to love you and she's controlling all the situations because she's trying to make it really good because that's how she thinks you would receive love. And if you sat down with her and just said, I want you to know I'm thankful for you, the greatest mother-in-law I've ever had, you know, and just say, I love you, I'm thankful for you, I'm thankful God put me, it'll just decrease the tension. I wanna pray for you because I know in this series, God's gonna to touch all of us in multiple places, and I wanna pray that our hearts stay open to what God wants to do. As you bow your head right there, first of all, you can't reconcile until you've been reconciled to Jesus. I want every person, no matter where you're at, if everyone would just stay, uh, just for a minute, we're gonna close the service. I'm looking there at Hazlitt or online. I want everybody to hear this, just with your head bowed for just a minute. There's somebody listening to me. Maybe you're growing in some reconciliation, but there may be somebody right now, you're thinking about separating, you're thinking about divorce, you're in a, in a challenging situation. Maybe there's a big divide with somebody that you love. And I wanna tell you, ultimately, it's not even some of the things I talked about. The ultimate hope we have, and I wanna encourage you, because I've seen it happen. Colossians chapter one says, in Jesus, he reconciled all things to himself. I want everybody to know this. Jesus reconciles families. He's a reconciler. We were enemies of God, and he came and made us friends because he's a reconciler. 
So Lord, I pray right now over every home and every family. First of all, if there's one person who doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they'd receive you today, accept you as their Lord and Savior. Say, just, just right where you are, wherever you're listening to me from, say, Jesus, I receive you today. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. I accept you into my life. I want to make you my Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I accept you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Come to 101, fill out a card. Come forward at the end of the service so we can help you learn how to walk it out. But I wanna pray right now over homes, families, relationships. Jesus, I thank you that we pray according to your will when we pray that you are a reconciler of families and relationships. And so Jesus, I, pr I just pray and, and put your name that's above every name, above every home. Every family on earth and in heaven and where it derives its name, it comes from you. And Lord, I just pray right now into the situation where I know I'm agreeing with the prayer of a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a child or a grandparent. And Lord, I just pray right now for your reconciliation power to come and reconcile only how you can. Go beyond my words today, Lord Jesus. By your spirit, come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.